This program is not intended to diagnose, cure, or treat any disease or disorder. The listener is encouraged to seek sound medical advice from their doctor or other qualified healthcare practitioner before taking any supplements or starting a new health regimen. And welcome to the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. Here we are, end of March. It's almost over, people. Spring is about to sprung. Wait, hang on. That that didn't quite work right. Adrian Hugh, how are you? I'm great. It's always spring and summer here. Yeah, I know. That's, this has become a running joke with you and I, so that you can like basically. It's not. It's not a joke. I'm serious. It's nice. We... <laughs> it's sunny. It's 80 degrees <laughs> every day. Can't beat it. Yeah, we just got hit by our last major snowstorm of uh, of the season. So you should hope. Well, the rest of Canada likes to laugh at Toronto because, you know, we get two inches of snow and we're calling out the military to clean the streets. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I had no idea. And Torontonians cannot deal with snow. It's, it's, it's very odd. Uh, if you go up four hours north of here to the capital, Ottawa, uh, you know, they've got six-foot snow banks and they're all walking around going, Wah! could be worse. Yeah, and New Jersey is kind of like that. New Jersey, New York is kind of like that. Uh, D.C. in the in the last decade or so has been seeing a lot of those five foot snow days. So yeah, they seem pretty wimpy up there in D.C. Yeah, well, they they weren't used to it. They never used to have it. So oh. so much for for the uh, climate change deniers. Oh. <laughs> It's it's a change in and it's a change in rapidly. <laughs> it's uh, apparently yeah. I'm Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> I, <channeling. laughs> I was wondering, yeah, are you gonna pop your glass eye out at some point here? <laughs> <laughs> That's apparently uh, that was apparently uh, Billy Crystal's big joke with him. <laughs> pop, pop your glass eye out. Uh, no, he was he, he would he would impersonate him and then he'd yeah. hit him in the back and like throw a bottle cap or something. <laughs> Make it look like his eye popped out. I, I love so. Sammy Davis. He he's just he's just awesome. Um, he, was a cool, he was a cool cat. Yeah, has absolutely nothing to do with this podcast, but you know, no, like, not nothing at all. Um, you know, I wanted to bring up stuff that we have touched on in the past, and okay. this is everybody blaming meat for social ills. I know I've talked about everybody b- blaming fat people for global warming and whatever, you know, Donald Trump. Uh, but uh, there's also this thing about meat where everybody blames meat. So I, I was yet again talking to someone this week. Uh, dude had to be, I don't know, 700 pounds. And it, it's that, what's, you know what's funny? Whenever I talk to somebody about someone who's like seven, 800 pounds, they always ask me, well, how tall is he? And I'm thinking he's not 17 feet tall. <laughs> there's no way to hide that. There's no there's no justification for being seven or eight hundred pounds. Anyway, so this is and this is the typical scenario that I see with people. They, you know, eat crap. Everything comes out of the freezer section if they even entertain you know, cooking. And when I say cooking, I'm talking about microwaving, not real cooking at home. Uh, they are uh, e- eating lots of fast food, drink pots of coffee every day, smoke two or three packs of cigarettes, <coughs> uh, drink a quart of gin, you name it. They do all of this stuff. And then the one day where they decide that they're going to get healthy, they're like, you know what? I'm giving up meat. You had me <laughs> nailed up until the uh, quart of gin. Well, you know, I was actually going to call that Avatar Jim. I, I, thought, <laughs> I was like, I was so close to, to calling him Jim. Uh, so, yeah, so this is the, this is the typical scenario. And all I, all I have to 
do is I look at them and I think to myself, with all of this stuff going on, with you know the extra weight and the the information that we have today, a few of. Uh, uh, what was it, two months ago, we interviewed Kayla Daniel, who wrote the whole soy story. We talked about the impact of that. Uh, this is becoming common knowledge now. People know that uh, paleo diets are working better than the vegan and vegetarian diets for a lot of people. Uh, we know that uh, the impact on the environment is uh, not necessarily what we would think, you know, what we're told about meat having this ecological impact where it's totally destroying the earth. Uh, personally, I think the big problem is not only industrial farming, mm. but uh, the fact that we are wasteful. There are parts of the animals that we no longer consume. We uh, do not, uh, we, we, we throw away so much, whether it's muscle meat, organ meat, bones. I mean, there's so many ways to get nutrition out of, out of these animals and it's just the way it's everything is done is so unsustainable that you can't possibly just look at meat as the problem well my deli still has cow tongue mm, cow mm. tongue mm. <laughs> that gives a whole new meaning to frenching your food by oh the way. god does it <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad i set you up for that one thank you thank you very much okay <laughs> so in the spirit of talking about the myths surrounding meat and why uh, meat is not necessarily the evil entity that we have uh, decided that it is in, in, in popular culture. Uh, we invited Lier Keith, the author of The Vegetarian Myth, Food Justice and Sustainability. Lier, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, Lear, one thing I want to say to you is thank you for writing this book. Uh, I first read it actually not that long ago, but I had known about the book for a while, and I looked at the title, and I'm like, eh, I know all about it. But when I finally decided to read it, I was like, wow, she really goes into a lot of stuff that people are not looking at. And a lot of things obviously uh, parallel the way I've felt for the last 20 years since Things have opened up for me as far as what is what and what constitutes good nutrition and uh, why there might be shortcomings in, uh, in the vegetarian diets. And what I like about the book is that it's not so much a manifesto against vegetarianism, but it's a very pragmatic view of your subtitle, which is Food Justice and Sustainability. So uh, what I wanted to ask you is why... You became, uh, you became a vegan. Did you go through the vegetarian stage first? I never did. I was a vegan. From the day that I started, I was a vegan. Did, did the term vegan even, even exist at the time? Because, <laughs> no, because it is a fairly uh, new term. I, I'm from the New York area, too. I lived in New Jersey for a number of years. And while I knew people who were calling themselves vegetarian but still doing all the fake milks, the fake cheeses, the fake this and that... Uh, they just weren't maybe as fanatical or obsessed with eliminating every trace of, of butter and cream and even eggs from their diets. Uh, but you know, how, you know, what, what prompted you to become a vegan? And then how long did it take you until you realized that it, it wasn't working? I became a vegan when I was 16 years old. And like most people who become vegetarian or vegan, I did it because I met somebody else who was a vegan. 
um, it was another teenage girl whose family, all of them were vegans, and so she knew all the arguments about why to do it. Um, and when I sat down and spoke with her, it was very compelling to me. Um, I was somebody who had always cared about um, the un- injustices that I saw in the world and was very, very concerned about um, environmental degradation and cruelty to animals and justice for people, all of those concerns. And when you meet a vegan and you, you, don't, you don't have bigger information, you know, they present you with this entire plan. And in one, with, by doing this one thing, by changing your diet, you can save everything. <laughs> you can save the planet. You can save the animals. You can save the children. It's all covered. All you have to do is stop eating animal products. And I was utterly convinced because, you know, I grew up in a very urban environment. I didn't know where food came from. I had no idea what agriculture was. But I looked at those horrible pictures of those animals being, you know, tortured, which is what factory farming is. I mean, I think we can all agree that that's it's just horrible. Um, and I was convinced. Um, and then I read all the books, and it all seemed to make sense. And within two weeks, three weeks, that was it. I was a vegan. And so I did it for 20 years. Um, when you take up something like that, uh, you, you tend to be a fanatical person, and I was. And I had to learn the hard way that we are often wrong about things in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me 20 years uh, to, to finally stop. Along the way, I ended up with some permanent health problems from doing this for so long. And that is true for pretty much everyone I know who did this long term. We all ended up with damage. Yeah. It, and it's, it's just really hard because you think you're doing the right thing. you know. And mm-hmm. that, what that means is that this diet could not possibly be hurting you. So it's unthinkable. Right. You know, that the diet is the problem. You're just like, I don't know, I randomly have bad luck. Why do I have all these health problems? Can't be the diet. Right. And and it, what's interesting is that we're more ready to blame our genes. You know, yeah. oh, my grandmother had something yep, yep, like yep. this or or what have you. Uh, and and you, you brought up something that I always point out to people, which is that the vast majority, and when I say vast majority, well over 90% of the vegans that I've met uh, d- don't know where the heck their food is coming from. Yeah, they, there, there is this. It, it's very much an urban type thing, uh, and even now suburban because suburbia, in many places, does not have very many farms anymore, right. and people really have this disconnect with with the cycle of food and how food gets on the plate. So when they get, like you say, they see these pictures, and it's this very compelling argument, but it's a it's an argument that only is compelling if you have nothing for your baseline, if you have no uh, uh, real convictions to begin with about why you eat what you eat. Lier, I'm, I'm probably yes. going to get some hate tweets for this, but um, <laughs> the way you described yourself getting into uh, veganism almost sounded, I'm going to say cult, but I'd apply this to just about any religion out there. Uh, it almost sounded cult-like, almost like a, you know, a, here's a simple answer for all the complicated problems in the world. Well, and it appeals to, I mean, there's two different things here. One is that it appeals to people who do care very deeply. Um, and I always try to emphasize that, you know, the values that underlie this decision, you know, to become a vegan are the, are the correct values. I mean, these are people who care very much about compassion and justice, you know, and sustainability. And those are still the values that motivate my life. So you can change, you know, the sort of the ideological Sub, you know, sort of superstructure, you know, that, that we build, these, these ideas that we attach ourselves to and, you know, form our lives. And that's going to shift over time. And it should. You know, we grow, we change, we learn. But that baseline, 
um, doesn't have to change. You can still be that person that you want to be and not have to be a vegan anymore because it's, you know, that's what people are terrified of when the diet does fail them and it will because I get these emails every day um, and they don't know what to do. It's like, but this is the person I am. And so I always try to tell them, look, those, that person that you are doesn't have to change. It really doesn't. What has to change is the information that you've got because you have very partial information up till now. And I can give you more. I can tell you where to go to get the rest of it. And at that point, you're going to make a different decision. But that core set of values that are so important to you, that doesn't ever have to change. But the thing is, when you're a teenager, of course, all of that is so intense, right? When you're 15, mm-hmm. 16, everything is so black and white. And, you know, you care so much. And it's all just, you know, you're going to go out there and wave your flag and you're going to get it right. And, you know, nobody knows as much as you know and all that. And um, so, yeah, you take up these kinds of often extreme ideas, you know, like veganism. And it, I was just primed for it. I mean, I just was a sucker, you know, for the, all of this. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just I had that kind of personality where I was a fanatic. And this just fell right in line with, you know, I was going to change the world. I was, you know, on fire with this. And so, of course, it just, it just, it went right in. Um, the, um, there are cult-like elements to this. Um, I can't call it an out-and-out cult because, you know, obviously you can leave and all that. But, um, you definitely will lose friends. You know, if you've been in vegan world and you decide to step out of it, you will get hate mail. People will never speak to you again. I got the saddest email two days ago. This young woman, she must be 21, 22. Her entire family, her biological family was no longer speaking to her because she wasn't going to be a vegan anymore. This is her mom, her dad, her sister. This isn't just like her friends from college. You can make new friends. This is her family. Right. I mean, it was heartbreaking that her own mother couldn't hear her say, I'm in pain. My body's falling apart. I know this isn't working. And when I eat meat, I feel better. You would think there would be at least some, you know, like, you know, the parental, whatever, impulse, maternal care that would just say, whatever you need, sweetheart, you know, like, your health comes first. I love you. And just utterly lacking because this ideology gets in the way. And that just breaks my heart. Right. And these yep. are people who think they're doing this for, for all these really great reasons, but they're just hurting other people. Exactly. That's, that's just it. Well, what's interesting, though, is I'm thinking about the connection between eating disorders. Yeah. And uh, you actually describe in the book uh, veganism or vegetarianism as part cult, part eating disorder. Uh, I, and that's something that I've been saying for decades is that it, it does bear the markings of both. Uh, when we look at people with anorexia it's i think most people understand that they don't look in the mirror and see someone who's starving they see the flesh and they see this totally distorted view of themselves and i can't help but but uh point out or or believe that this is the same thing that we're seeing with people uh, who have done this type of diet for so long, which is that their neurotransmitters are not making mm-hmm. the, the correct connections anymore. And now they're starting to, that what would have been the rational response is just not even on the table anymore. Yeah. So a few facts just to throw out there. Um, if you go to um, a residential center for um, anybody, you know, people with eating disorders, what you will find over and over is that about 50% of the women in that unit will identify as vegetarians. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. it's only anywhere from 3, 4, 5% of the general population is vegetarian. So we're talking about an incredibly high number, mm-hmm. percentage of people who take up this diet and this 
connection with eating disorders. I noticed that anecdotally, you know, when I was a vegan and I couldn't figure it out. Like, why would this be true? Right. Well, it turns out that, you know, a huge part of this is just biochemical. Um, and the, the, two, the two main nutrients that will trigger this kind of behavior, the eating disordered behavior, is a lack of serotonin, mm-hmm. um, which comes from the amino acid tryptophan. You know, as human beings, it's called an essential amino acid because we cannot produce it. We can only eat it. So if you don't eat tryptophan, you cannot make serotonin. And we all know, you know, serotonin and the SSRIs and its, its role in depression and keeping yep. you happy. You've got to have tryptophan in order to get any of those feelings. What happens if you don't have enough tryptophan in many people is it will trigger these kinds of behaviors. And this is true in laboratory rats. Yeah. This is a horrible thing to do to any animal. But if you withdraw tryptophan from their diets, they will start doing bizarre food hoarding while they are starving. Wow. Okay, so, so you can trigger this. In birds as well, you can trigger this. If you don't bizarre, have enough tryptophan, you trip out? Yeah, basically. I like and not to sum things way. up like that way. Yeah. <laughs> not a good trip at all. And the other element is zinc, um, that if you don't have yeah. enough zinc, the mineral zinc, this also can provoke these kinds of bizarre eating disordered behaviors. So there it is. And, and I've heard this story over and over. You know, these young women, teenagers, just like me, um, take up a vegetarian diet or even a vegan diet. They didn't start with an eating disorder. Okay. It's, so the etiology exactly of this is they begin by being vegetarian. Six months or a year into it, they suddenly have anorexia or bulimia. And I, I can guarantee you, this is a bio-nutritional problem. It's a mechanical pathway through the brain that it's not working. And it's not necessarily an emotional thing, though I'm sure there are elements of it. But what they've done to themselves is denied themselves tryptophan and zinc because they're vegetarians. And they've ended up in this eating disordered state, just like those laboratory rats. Um, and the best book about this is uh, Julia Ross. Wrote, uh, she's a... Oh, yes. Yeah, you, if you haven't interviewed her, you should. Yes, anyways, I was just thinking. I was thinking about fabulous. her fabulous. Yeah, yeah her, so her book is called The Mood Cure, and she runs a treatment center where she deals with people who have eating disorders, addictions, mm-hmm. um, depression, anxiety, and she treats them just with nutritional supplements and a good basic diet. And she really hammers this home about the eating disorders because she's seen it over and over. And within a few days of eating an appropriate diet, uh, you can often get women to snap out of it, or men too, I'm sure. But you know, it's mostly a female problem. So. Anyway, you can get people to snap out of it if you can simply get them, you know, to eat enough <laughs> tryptophan. So if they can get them to eat a big juicy steak for a few days in a row, um, it will often just resolve itself overnight. Right. Um, and it's you can see this is just it's just biochemical. This is the biochemistry of eating disorders, and this is what you know young women are doing to themselves, thinking that um, you know they're somehow saving the world, and it just breaks my heart. But right. this is and, and, you know, and this is sorry, Adrian. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, this is where we get, you know, this disconnect with humans is we forget uh, that we are really, you know, the mind and the body is connected, but we're really big bags of, of, of chemicals. And if those chemicals get out of balance, it's going to affect us. And, and way too often what happens with people who suffer from, and I, I almost hate to say suffer from depression, because just about, I, I can't think of anyone out there who hasn't dealt with some form of depression. Um, or, or other, uh, you know, uh, behavioral challenge. I hate to say mental illness because it's just the way people perceive it when you say it that way. Mm. Uh, but you, you know, y- you look at it and you realize that the, the mind is being affected by these, 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 uh, these different chemicals and these different uh, elements that it's either getting too much of or not getting enough of. And yet the person who's being affected by it doesn't realize it because the you know the they're the i i'm not sure how to articulate it perhaps Lier, you can do that for me if you know what the heck i'm trying to say here 
Well, it's. I mean, I think you're right. We we really are just a series of chemical reactions, and we need certain you know stocks to go in, and then certain reactions are you know what happens next. And inside all of that, of course, is our mind and our spirit and our emotional reality. And this just feels like what you know what what's happening on a day to day basis. But in fact, it's all of it has that sort of substrate that's about the chemical inputs. You know, the nutritional inputs. You have to have certain things for to keep a stable mood state. And without those things, um, it all just kind of goes off the rails. And you end up thinking, well, I'm a melancholic person. I'm a depressive person. I just have a lot of anxiety. Well, it turns out, you know, that may be true. But on the other hand, it, it may be that if you give your brain what it needs, the depression stops. And it really wasn't you. It was, in fact, just a deficit. Um, and I think that this is, you know, the reason we're seeing this kind of almost universal depression, a big part of it is just the terrible nutrition that, you know, is, has sort of taken over our culture. I mean, we have basically, a, you know, a cultural eating disorder at this point, but at least in the United States, I mean, we've been told for 40 years now to eat this low-fat, high-carb diet, and it wrecked us. It wrecked our physical health. It wrecked our emotional health. You cannot have a healthy brain, you know, and healthy emotions eating that kind of diet. It just isn't sufficient for the human template. Right. And that's something very uh, interesting that I've noticed as well, which is that a lot of people, the vast majority, once again, of vegans, even the ones who are trying to eat truly plant-based and picking things from their backyards like you did in mm-hmm. <laughs> when you would wake up in the middle of the night and <laughs> the slugs <laughs> the slugs off <laughs> that is, uh, but you know they're, they're, even those people who are eating actually vegetables as 90 plus percent of their diet their their uh bodies are not really that different and in many cases worse than the person eating McDonald's every day you know, at least if, I'm not telling anyone to eat McDonald's, no, certainly, no. but at least if you're eating McDonald's, you're going to get some amino acids. Exactly. That's you know, exactly. eating broccoli, it's just, you're not. I mean, it's just, there's no way your brain can function on that. Right. Right. So, uh, could you go over, you talked about the health problems that will haunt you for the rest of your days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm paraphrasing here. But uh, what, can you uh, demonstrate for us, you know, tell us what some of those things are. Right. So we actually have a concept um, that's called the diseases of civilization. And this is because the pattern has been noted over and over and over again that across history, when human societies take up agriculture as a way of life, um, what happens very quickly is a series of diseases uh, pop up in the archaeological record. And these are diseases that have never been seen before. Mm -hmm. So we don't have a corresponding diseases of hunter-gatherers because they're actually eating the food we evolved to eat, and they tend to have perfect health generation after generation. The moment people take up agriculture and start eating these plant-heavy diets, they shrink six inches and their teeth fall out. So, and then there's a whole slew of diseases that um, you know have just never been seen before. And that constellation of diseases is um, well, you know, what we call syndromax metabolic syndrome. So that's going to include diabetes. Um, Uh, problems with weight, heart disease, cardiovascular disease, and then you get all the chronic um, inflammatory diseases, um, autoimmune diseases, and, you know, from there on, that's pretty much what happens. People just start falling apart right and left. Um, So you're going to get diabetes and blood sugar issues, and this is because the diet is simply too heavy in sugar, and 
If it makes you happy to call it complex carbohydrate, go right ahead. What I will tell you is that at the end of the day, every last one of those long-chain carbohydrates is broken down into a simple sugar in your intestines. That's the only way it crosses the brush border and gets into your bloodstream is if it's a simple sugar. And that's what your intestines will do with it. And now you've got way too much blood sugar. And from there, everything just falls to pieces because... Uh, you know, you have to have this huge surge of insulin to take care of it, and it's not ex- actually insulin's main job. This is a fallback position for an emergency situation, and we've been doing that to ourselves three times a day now for 10,000 years. So you end up with, you know, these various disease states, but that's really what it goes back to is, um, you know, eating these grain-based, plant-based diets. It's just, it just does not meet the needs of the nutritional, the, you know, the human template nutritionally. Right. So, so what are some of the things I think you, you talked about, uh, back pain in your book? Yeah. So I ended it up with, um, degenerative disc disease. So the joints in my spine just fell apart. Um, that's very common. You're going to find people with joint and, um, bone problems from this diet. Right. And, and you said the just, teeth falling out. I don't know if that. Was- oh yeah. No, I mean that quite literally. And yeah, I know any number of young vegans and I'm talking about very young people, 20, 21 years old, who, you know, uh, started to be vegan at my age, and uh, all of a sudden they go to the dentist and they have 20 cavities overnight. Right. You know, and it's like, well, yeah, yeah, I can tell you exactly what happened. You don't have enough fat to actually absorb the minerals because mm-hmm. um, your body will not absorb minerals without fat. A lot of people don't know that. There's yep. no point in eating minerals if you're not going to eat some saturated fat with it. Absolutely. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is the diet simply doesn't have enough minerals. Yep. So even if you're eating all the fat in the world, there's nothing to absorb. I mean, there's just there's not enough minerals in it. Meat is dense with minerals, bones especially, and across the world, the healthiest people eat things like they eat the bone marrow and then they make bone broth because they know that you have to have minerals, you know, to stay healthy for a good long life and a good long skeleton to to take you through that life. Um, So you're going to end up with, you know, bone problems, teeth problems, joint problems. You're going to end up with blood sugar problems. You're going to end up with cardiovascular problems. Um, You're going to end up with autoimmune diseases. And this is what grains trigger, particularly gluten. Absolutely. I ended up with an autoimmune disease. I have Hashimoto's. Thank you, Mm. vegan diet. Here we are. Um, And, uh, yeah, and then you're going to end up with reproductive issues. Um, and this is because, you know, people don't understand. Cholesterol has been so vilified across the culture, but cholesterol is this incredibly life-affirming substance. It does so many good things for you. And one of them is that it's the mother hormone. All of your hormones in your body are made from cholesterol. For so sure. if you're not eating cholesterol, you're not getting any hormones. And this includes, of course, your sex hormones. So estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, we all need some of that stuff. Whether you're a man or a woman, you need, you know, some variety of that is what you need. Um, And you you just can't make it. There's something, there are no building blocks if you have no cholesterol to end up with estrogen or testosterone. And this is why a lot of women on these super low-fat diets, vegan diets, have tremendous fertility problems. Um, You know, you stop menstruating, you can't get pregnant, you don't understand why. It certainly affects their male partners as well. Um, and that's what it is. It's just plain old cholesterol. You have to have it. It tastes yummy for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> We're meant to have it. Absolutely. It's how, and, it's and how you get to a juicy life, you know? Eat your fat, people. Exactly. And I, I, I wrote a small book uh, called Frenching Your Food, and it's all about our relationship with food and the fact that if we don't, that there, there's, our body did not tell us that, that things with fat and salt uh, are bad for us, <laughs> you know, or, you know, or, or um, that they taste good for no reason. There is a biological need, but what people don't realize is that the the um, tendency to eat sugar is actually a, a fairly recent one. 
and it, particularly in the amounts that we consume it. Like you talked about the you know, so-called uh, um, complex carbohydrates and, and so on. Uh, these, these are all sugars. And we do not, even if you watch a, a small baby, unless they were weaned onto sugar immediately, most of them, they, they're, they know when, when to stop. Right. If a child has been nourished properly, they will know when to stop eating. You know, they'll just turn, they'll refuse it. But you see parents in restaurants or your own family, and they're like, "Come on, don't you want just a taste of pie or ice cream?" You know, and, they, and they're really <laughs> working it up as if that's a reward for the child. So we we tend to use, and, and this is this really irks me, is that we use the the word treat mm-hmm. to define something that we know will destroy the body. Right. That's not a treat to me. <laughs> a right. treat is something that that is rare, something that that comes up once in a while. But sugar has become so ubiquitous in our society that there is no treat anymore in having a slice of chocolate cake. Yeah, well, I, a couple, couple. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, as a parent of a six-year-old, I try to cover that off by also including other things as treats, like you know, cantaloupe slices and uh, apple slices and different kinds of natural foods along with, you know, that piece of chocolate from Halloween. Yeah, now the thing about sugar is that for many, many people, not everybody, but for a lot of us, it, um, you know, when they do these experiments, it triggers the same um, pleasure centers to the same degree that cocaine does in the brain. So it can be incredibly addictive. Yes. To a lot of people. And, you know, in our in our evolutionary history, we would not have had access to super sweet things for most of the year. You know, there might have been one season when there was some fruit. But let's remember that domesticated fruits are tremendously sweeter than their undomesticated counterparts. Yep. So what we would have come across in the wild was mostly bitter. You know, it's nowhere near as sweet as, you know, we've coaxed these plants to get sweeter for us. Right. Because, you know, not, not good for us, but it's something a lot of us crave. Um, but it wouldn't have been there, you know, in our evolutionary history, and it certainly wouldn't have been there every day. And the other problem is that our body has such a tremendous need for fat, the human body, that if we don't give it enough fat, there's a fallback plan to make it. Yes. And what our bodies use to make fat, if we don't eat it, is sugar. Mm-hmm. It, our body, you can take sugar and actually transform it into the fat that your body needs to run on. So the problem when you eat these low-fat diets is your body says, all right, fine, you're not going to give me fat, then we're going to make fat instead. And that means you're going to crave sugar and you're not going to create, stop craving that sugar until I get enough fat. And so you crave sugar. And the number of people I know who were just absolute sugar addicts as vegans, and then the moment we start eating an appropriate diet, the cravings just evaporate within a week or two because you're actually eating enough fat. And it's like, wow, I can go all day. I can go to 4 o'clock in the afternoon and not even think about sugar. Yeah, I don't need it because I had a breakfast of eggs and bacon. Like I gave my body what it wanted and that you know, tremendous craving. This is not like an emotional failing, you know, a character failing. You're craving that sugar for a reason. It's called starvation. Yes. You might not look like you're starving, but your body doesn't have the nutrients it needs. That's why that signal is just impossible to override. You know, it's like your body's telling you something, and it's that you don't have appropriate fats in your diet. Right. And, and you know, one, one message that I've been trying to uh, get into people's heads since we started this podcast is the fact that our bodies are not betraying us. They, these are very good signals. We need to understand what these signals mean and right. to stop thinking that our body's always trying to break us down. It will break us down if we don't give it the right nutrients. But so often we're trying to use this 
false scientific view, uh, which when I say false, I, I'm making air quotes, but <laughs> I'm saying that because it's, it's kind of the, uh, it's what the, the food processing companies want us to believe about what our bodies need. And so we're trying to override that intellectually, what our body is actually craving with this intellectual uh, construct of I'm an, I'm a healthy eater. This is what I want to eat. I, I really want to eat this stuff. And, and Leah, you even mentioned in your book that you choked down some really nasty stuff. I sure did <laughs> on a regular basis. <laughs> and, you know, I think we, we all have been there where we want to do the right thing and we eat some piece of leather and we <laughs> decide that it tastes delicious because we want to believe that we, in our heart of hearts, uh, inherently choose the healthier path. Can I tell you a little anecdote? Because sure. this just happened this week. I had a, a young woman who was I was emailing with, and you know she's so confused about all of this. And I I completely understand. You know we get all this conflicting information, and she was saying, you know I try to have a healthy breakfast. I eat oatmeal for breakfast, and then I'm so good and I'm so good, and, and then I just eat soup for lunch and salad, and then by two o'clock in the afternoon it's just brownies, brownies, brownies for the rest of the day, mm. and then I cry because I'm gaining weight and. I hate myself, and why am I so weak? And I'm just like, sweetheart, this is predictable. Yeah. I'm going to give you a different food plan. Just try this once. And she's still like really upset about vegetarian, not vegetarian. I said, just forget the meat for now. Just You can talk about that later. Here's a breakfast. I want you to eat two eggs and an avocado. I know you can do this as a vegetarian. Eat that, and then see how the day goes. And she writes me back. This is the first day. She mm -hmm. writes back, and she's like, I couldn't believe it. I didn't crave brownies once. Yeah. Well, of course you didn't. Yep. You had fat and protein for breakfast. Absolutely. That's all your body was telling you. It was like, you didn't give me any fat. Well, then you're going to crave sugar all afternoon. Yeah. One and way or another, I'm getting that fat. And so that was it. And she just couldn't, and her, of course, her mood was stable and she was happy, in fact. And it was like, you've just proved exactly, exactly what I'm trying to tell you. So you take the information and use it or not. It's your life. But you, you ran the experiment and it worked. I had I had a woman several years ago who was trying to get pregnant, and she was, she was sitting in the car, and she was, oh, you know, I had this craving, and I ate an avocado. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Oh my god, it's so fattening, and, blah, and she's going on and on and on, and you know, because she knew everything, and I've studied nutrition, and blah, 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 but she she didn't study it formally, you know, but she she read the freebie at the health food store, and so she's going on about how it's so fattening, and then, but then she tells me that she can't, she has to eat every two hours. Course. Oh, well, if I don't eat every two hours, I'm just going to collapse. I need to eat every two hours. You know, we're supposed to eat every two hours because the doctor said you're supposed to eat every two hours. And she's going on and on with her two-hour regimen. And I said, you know what? Add some butter to your meals. Mm -hmm. just, <laughs> just, just put a, a – and, and, and not like a little schmear, you know. <laughs> put a good yeah, eat some butter. <laughs> but, you know, like mean it. You know, if you're going to eat butter, mean it. Okay. <laughs> so, and then and, – and I made her switch to, to uh, hot, uh, regular milk. You know, we're not even yeah. – getting into grass fed now right but just i was like that yeah just just get the fat in there and a week later i see her and she's like since you told me that i have not had i can go between meals without having to eat all the time and a month later she told me that her daughter who had uh growth problems had not grown in i think two years uh she went to the doctor and suddenly she sprouted up oh that just breaks your heart doesn't it i know that poor kid yeah. And and it, what was interesting was the girl, she was, her mother never had her diagnosed, but she was clearly on some kind of spectrum. You know, she did yeah. not have the cognitive skills of yeah. other children her age. And you could gradually see her coming out of it, just a little bit yeah. more social, a little bit more verbal, 
it it's uh it was like night and day you know i mean it was like it, it was a huge step and what's what's also sorry what's also interesting is that she she went on to to get pregnant almost immediately after this mm-hmm. and the next or the first child w- was riddled with allergies at sure. birth yep uh but the second one she still had allergies cuz you know, this woman still knew everything and you know she only followed but so much but she had maybe seven allergies compared to the other one. She, she was literally on a diet of turkey and green beans. That was the mom's diet during breastfeeding because, because the, you know, the, the, she was so allergic to everything. Uh, but this other one actually uh, did, fared better. And even her infant pictures looked more cognizant than the other one did at four years old. You know, I find this whole discussion fascinating because we, you know, it seems that, and I'm not, you know, versed well enough to to say when this started, but there has been several centuries of, of humans um, suppressing, uh, you know, and, and institutionalizing the suppression of what our bodies tell us. In other words, mm. yeah. your mind rules your body. So, you know, um, don't, you know, don't, you know, the you know, religion and culture and every other thing saying, don't listen to the body, tell the body what to do, because this is what's best. And uh, it sounds as if this is, you know, this is part of the big problem is, is that we don't want to listen to what our bodies are telling us. We want to have this, this myth, this idea, this crazy idea that, that just because we're intelligent, sentient beings, we can control uh, what our body needs. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And and uh, coming from someone who uh, studies energy psychology and energy medicine, it's what I find really interesting is that all of the the like the big names in this Gary Craig, uh, Donna Eden, uh, they where they do uh, work with verbalizing what you want your body to do they all every single one of them will admit that you need animal foods in your body to make to to get your body to cooperate with some of these these statements Mm -hmm. that you're trying to infuse your body with so you you know it really we cannot override our our evolution and and what i also find interesting is that we seem to uh not understand that for ourselves but you try to give somebody's dog or cat chocolate and they will flip out because it's not part of their diet. They can't live with it. But somehow we make excuses why we're able to change our diet and, and uh, not the, you know, that, that our, our pets and other animals can't thrive right. when uh, changing their diets. Uh, so anyway, we're going to have to wrap up soon, but, uh, uh, Lier, I wanted to ask you, and this was, this comes from one of our listeners, Deborah Yaffe. She was actually also on our show. She loves your book, by the way, just as, as much as I do. Uh, she wanted to know that since you've written the book, have there been any changes to your ideas, beliefs, or the information that you have? And has the, the vegan hate towards you calmed down a bit? The vegan hate never goes away. It's just something I live with, and um, I I have a well, I I don't know if this is true, but I heard this was a Persian proverb, and it goes, "If I am patient, the body of my enemy will be carried past my door." And I say that half in joke, and I also say that uh, just very ironically because um, 
all of these people, eventually the rubber's going to hit the road, the diet will fail them, and they are going to need the information in my book. And there is forgiveness in my heart. You know, they send me all kinds of horrible hate mail. Um, you know, it's very hard sometimes to go out in public and be me. But, um, you know, I understand that half of this is just the biochemistry of what they're doing to themselves. Right. It's impossible. Is it you know, true that you did a book signing in California and someone threw a pepper pie in your face? Yeah, I was assaulted by three vegans. They slammed shit into my head. Yeah, it was pretty. It's, you can watch it on YouTube. Eighty thousand. Oh, it's on. Eight, it's on YouTube. Yeah, you can. They of course they put it. It was the whole point was to humili- yeah. humiliate me publicly and get it up there. So um, I didn't back down. It's you're not going to silence me. It's this is reality, and we need to face it together. You know, as a species. Um, and too many people are suffering for this, but um, this is again where you get into those cult-like elements. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if it's just because my mother's a librarian, but to me, if I don't like a book, I take it back to the library. I don't assault people because I don't agree with them. <laughs> I mean, it's just—it's crazy. This is like not how a pluralistic democracy is supposed to work. And they make all these claims to peace and to you know being compassionate people, but this is how they behave. You know, what's interesting here is that you may be the living proof of the old saying: "The best revenge is living well." Yeah, it's like that. And I and I and there's an odd sense that I feel sorry for all of them because the day is going to come when they realize they were completely wrong. They were caught up in a really intense, you know, ideology that pitted them against reality and um they're going to be sorry and it's fine if they want to apologize I will accept it because I was that I never assaulted people but I remember having such intense feelings about all of this. Mm-hmm. Um and you really can't it's really hard to control it when you're not eating the right nutrition. I mean, it's all the studies show, you know, it's like you're anywhere from two to four times as likely to have a um, mental illness problem if you eat a vegetarian diet. And this is where it goes, you know, and up to and including things like, um, you know, you're more likely to be murdered. I mean, it's just insane, but that's yeah. the facts, you know, Absolutely, yes. there's a lot of violence that swirls around this. And um, we, we really need to be talking about that, especially as, you know, teenagers and stuff get into this and they're not the most balanced people to start with. And, uh, you know, your brain's not even finished building itself at that point when exactly. you're a teenager and I did it when I was 16 and I know I'll never be the same I mean it's just there's damage that you can't undo but back to her question though um, <laughs> I would say that I have not changed my mind about anything particularly I've only refined it perhaps mm-hmm. like I've learned a lot more about how to restore grasslands and how important that is and how that has to happen with ruminants so I'm a huge believer in Alan Savory's work for instance um, I really think it's the only hope that our planet has is to repair the grasslands. And we, it's, this adds um, a lot of uh, pressure, I think, to, to get this word out and to make people try to engage with these ideas because I really think the only way we're going to get the carbon out of the sky and back into the ground is through the grasslands, through the prairies. That's what they do. And the only way you have a healthy grassland is with ruminants. So we need to understand what's been destroyed and how to repair it because – the bison and, and the prairie grasses can still do this. It's not too late, but we need to understand what's been done and how to undo it. And that can be done. There are people with plans. <laughs> they understand how this works, and it's, um, it's very hopeful work and very beautiful work. And I, So I would say I have a, more refinements on um, you know, where, where to go from here as a species and as a planet. But um, time is running out for our planet. We, we need to be taking this pretty seriously. Liera, I've I've never met you before, this, and and this is so you know I I feel the need to say this that this is not a platitude, but I I find you to be an incredibly passionate, and and incredibly courageous individual, and I only wish that I had half your uh, courage and strength. Oh uh, well, thank you, but you you all are doing a show here. You're getting information out to people that need it, and it it takes all of us. You know, like I, I'm nobody if people don't get the ideas out there as well. I mean, we're, we're doing this together. Are you working on anything new right now aside from your book? 
Um, yeah, I have a well. I have a, a book that I'm writing with two of my friends um, about some of these environmental issues. So, very, it's good. It's good stuff. Wow. Thank you so much for everything that you that you've done and everything that you do, Lier. And and we, and we need more courage and and more passion in this world. Um, sincere passion, not the some of that pseudo passion we're seeing currently from the American election. But <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that that was a question I have to ask you when you watch. I don't know, Drumpf. <laughs> do, <laughs> <that. laughs> do, do, do you ever wonder what the heck is he eating? <laughs> that makes you know, I don't actually worry that much about his diet. I think he's honestly just a sociopath, and there's nothing you can do with those people. <laughs> really. I, and I'm not being silly. I honestly think he's just a narcissistic sociopath, and there's not much. It's just You just can't give them a platform. You just can't give them... And the problem with our culture is, of course, is that we reward these people. So, of course, he's yeah. wasn't the top. It's, we've yeah. got a completely wrong reward system here. Um, but I will say an interesting thing. You may not know this. When Jeb Bush was running, you know, he's, I guess he's dropped out now, but yeah. he knew he had to lose, quote, lose weight to look better on television. And you know what he did? He did a paleo diet. Yes, I did hear about yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He lost like 40 pounds. Yeah. Right. Wow. Actually, that's what I wanted to ask you before, before we completely wrap up is uh, what does your diet look like now? Like, like what do you have for breakfast and lunch today? Sure. So I would say that what I eat is a paleo diet, um, but I do very well with dairy products. And I know most paleo people are kind of iffy on the dairy, but I do great on dairy. And I also have access to really fabulous raw milk mm. where I live. So it's easy. And we actually have a cheese factory in this tiny little town where I live. And they have a whole line of cheeses that are just local grass-based farms. So I can get like the best cheese literally in the world. I'm not exaggerating. Our little cheese factory went to a cheese competition in Devon, England, which is mm. like dairy central, right? Yeah. And brought home a blue ribbon. Whoa. So we actually have the best cheese in the world. I can say that right here in little tiny Crescent City, California. And um, I can just go get it for $2 a pound whenever I want it. So it doesn't get any better. $2 a pound? Yes, $2 a pound. They'll have it on sale. And it's like, you know, it's a little bit out of date or something. Who cares? Um, there it is. It's perfectly fresh. So I yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna, uh, when we get off of this call, <laughs> I'm going to get the name of that debt. And I'm going to find out where they sell it. Because my husband's in San Francisco right now. Oh, you might be able to find some. Yeah. No, it's great some. stuff. He's gonna. But, he's gonna pack his suitcase full of it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, so I eat obviously a lot of grass-fed, you know, uh, bison and and beef, and I have also uh, very good chicken eggs. I can have access to duck eggs, um, and then you know whatever vegetables. Living on the coast of California means I can get really nice greens all year round. Mm -hmm. Things like you know broccoli and kale and whatever. All the coal crops they last all year. It's never really goes out here because we don't get any snow. So it's right. you can get those kinds of things. So that's pretty much my diet is, you know, meat, eggs, good veggies, um, and then the very good dairy products. Mm -hmm. And I just really have to stay away from sugar and sweets permanently. I pretty well wrecked my insulin receptors with that oh. vegan stuff. So it's I have to eat very low carb or I get pretty sick pretty quickly. Oh, um, but that's all right. You know, you shouldn't be eating that stuff anyway. My, my big downfall is chocolate. I do love chocolate. So mm. uh, every once in a while, I let myself have a treat. And then, you know, we go back to the straight and narrow. But right. Right. It's the way it is. <laughs> when, you're, when most of your diet is real food, you can have these little peccadillos, and it's, it's not the end of the world. Not, yeah, it's not the end of the world. It's not the the, the consequences that you would have dealt with. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not even sure. Was like 15 years ago? How, how long have, has it been since you changed? 1999. Oh. Changed, yeah. So yeah, sixteen, seventeen years. Now. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, and 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 you still haven't undone <laughs> so much. No, of that some camp. of this is permanent, and this yeah. is what I try to tell young people. It's like you push it too far, there's no coming back. 
Right. Especially when they already come to me or who, I hear them talking, they've got the joint pain. You're like, Ugh. those joints, it's almost impossible to heal them. You've, yeah. you, this is, you're already in the, the red zone here, people. Yeah. You've listen, got to listen to something, some other information. And, it's and no it, good. And it is uh, funny how they will say like, oh, I feel great. I feel great until you catch them not trying to defend the diet. Then you hear all the oh. stuff that's actually happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's constant stomach aches, the migraine headaches, the mm-hmm. skin is so dry it hurts, their knees hurt, their ankles hurt all the time. They don't know why. Um, semi-constant diarrhea, they're not menstruating anymore, like on and on and on. You're like, yeah. oh, sweetheart, I can tell you. Right. Like all of this is just predictable, predictable yeah. on that diet. Right. Okay, well, Learkey, thank you so much uh, for being on our show. Again, her book is The Vegetarian Myth, Food, Justice, and Sustainability. You can find her at learkeith.com. And uh, how long do you think it'll be till your next uh, book is, is coming out? Hopefully um, next year sometime. We're awesome. working pretty hard. Yeah. Awesome. And if, oh, if you're we'll wondering def- how to spell the, oh sorry. Oh yes, sorry. <laughs> Gotta spell it. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to if you're wondering how to spell the air, it's L I E R R E. Yes. And as I always say with an L Pierre with an L, you got it. Um, <laughs> and if you can't remember that, oh listener, what you do is go to Google and just type in vegetarian myth. There is only one book with that title and you will find me. Oh. That works. Yep, and if, it's if easier you, than my name. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to find us, it's really easy. Just go to nutritionheretic.com. You can like us on our Facebook page. We would love if you would do that. Our Facebook page is facebook.com, nutritionheretic. On Twitter, we are nutraheretic. And you can contact us any you know through the website or through Facebook or even Twitter. If you, if you have an idea for a show or you would like to be a guest, we'd love to talk to you. And please... Don't forget to rate the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Lierre, once again, uh, incredible courage and, and, and just very insightful for me uh, today. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for being here. My co-host, uh, Adrian, anything you'd like to say before we sign Lierre's off? Lierre's my hero. Lierre's my hero. You know, from, from the moment I picked up that book, I was like, this woman knows. She's, she's going places. She knows what she's talking about, and she's not backing down. And like you said, just incredible courage. Thank you so much for for doing everything that you do to get the word out and to um, make people live better lives, help people to live better lives. Well, thank you both.